Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Episode 109 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast. Howdy, howdy. Uh, alongside Craig Morgan and Jamie Eisner, I'm Luke Lipinski. We are going to preview the Dallas Stars here shortly. First, we're going to preview the Florida Panthers. But even before that, I've been told to ask you nicely to please. Very nicely. Subscribe to the show if you're listening. It would help us out greatly. Yeah, for those of you who didn't listen to Craig's plea, his cry for help pretty pathetic, on the last really. episode yeah. for you to subscribe so we can feed his children more than rice and beans. Just beans, he was saying. Yeah, that's true. Well, if we want to upgrade to rice and beans. <laughs> yes, subscribe. I can't believe you guys are bringing my kids into this. <laughs> this isn't fair, too, because if people didn't listen to the very end of the last show, they didn't hear you uh, do that. This is what I deal with around here. Hmm. Okay. So you know. Well, then subscribe. So I Craig don't care if you dear listeners. Craig's kids care if you subscribe. Yeah. So that's uh, that's where we they, are. They right don't now. want to go to bed hungry again because nobody subscribed. Also, look. Yeah. The hockey season's starting up here very shortly, within moments for rookie camp, but for the regular season, about a month, and for preseason, like a week and a half. You just—it's so much easier for you to just subscribe, and that way you don't have to worry. We're just going to be there on your phone talking to you, or however you listen to to find podcasts everywhere. We'll just be there telling you all about Vincent Trocheck and the Florida Panthers. Yeah. If you listen to us on Google Glass, if anybody in the world still uses Google Glass. MySpace. If you have a MySpace account that we're somehow... No, we're not doing that. Okay. Any any specific places where they should be listening, Jamie, or can I start talking about hockey? Napster. You know, I don't feel like he's taking this seriously. Uh, you can listen to us on Blog Talk Radio or iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your, your lovely, lovely podcasts, because there are so many places now, and... Or on FanRankSports.com in the podcast tab, you can find us and a lot of other podcasts if you're interested in other sports. I don't know why you would be. All right, to the Florida Panthers. We're going to uh, we're going to talk Dallas Stars here shortly, but let's this this will be the team this week that just the three of us preview without the help of a beat writer. Are we calling it the throwaway team? Uh, we well, could... eh, maybe not this week because I kind of like Florida. I do too, actually. Yeah, too too eh, too humid. Yeah, well, that's true. We've we've all been there, and it is it's very humid. But I kind of like the Panthers. I don't know where to start though. Alexander Barkov is uh, is a real nice piece to build around up the middle. Jonathan Huberdeau is uh, is it's just they had such an odd season last year. I remember the first couple episodes we've ever ever did of this show, a hundred eight episodes ago. This was like the team that Jamie was in love with. And I, then, I, well, it was between that and me pounding my fist on the table, reminding everybody that Steven Stamkos is slightly overrated. Though that was a theme of our first three or four weeks. That of was the show. how it started, yeah. And uh, then the Panthers went out and sort of imploded last year. I don't want to say they self-destructed because they they still have a lot of these good young pieces, and I, I feel like they probably got a bit of a steal with Owen Tippett falling to them in the draft. But is this a playoff contender in the uh, the Eastern Conference, or are they still just sort of hovering around the bottom of the standings? I just can't see them be a playoff contender. I, I like some pieces here. Um, I, I'm what curious. was that first word again? 
I'm not sure it was a word. Okay. Okay. Anyway, back to what I was saying. I, I like some of the pieces here. I, I, I think some of those pieces have a ceiling, uh, higher ceiling, but they, they have some maturation to do. I mean, they lost some, they lost some significant things in the offseason. They lost Marcia Show, Riley Smith to the Vegas Golden Knights, so they lost some scoring. They lost Jeremy Yager. They didn't need to, but they did lose him, or I guess they could still call him up and bring him back, but they yeah. don't seem to want to. They did add Redeem Verbata, who's a friend of the show, but I... I just think this team has more development to do before they can contend for a playoff spot. And then, as we always do, you look at the teams that are probably going to make it in the East. Who are they supplanting? Well, that's, yeah, that's the real question. I guess, I guess my counter to that would be, and, and I don't know, I don't even know how you answer this, so I'm not going to. I'll let you guys answer it. This team won the Atlantic Division two seasons ago. I mean, they won the division. Now, they haven't won a playoff series since they went to the Stanley Cup and lost to Patrick Waugh in the Colorado Avalanche in 1996. So it's been a while. And they've only been to the playoffs four times since 96, and one of them was in 97. One of them, though, was just in, in 2016. They won the Atlantic Division. They went out in the first round of the Islanders. It was kind of an odd series. How do you go from winning the division to being almost an afterthought in the Eastern Conference, especially because most of the young talent is still there? You can fire your coach, for starters. And then just leave him on the side of the road? Yeah, with hefty bags. Okay, I guess that's a good way to, to, to really... It's a good start. To trigger a downfall. But, yeah, well, I, I mean, there's a possibility, too, that what we saw from them was, you know, it was a, overinflated a little bit, right? They Maybe they overachieved for one season. But, there, again, there are some pieces here, right? The coaching thing, we, we talked about that a lot when it happened. Yeah. I, I still don't understand... That move, they just weren't deep enough to, into the season to to pull the trigger on it, and they weren't far enough back that you pulled the trigger on on that sort of move. And there there was clearly more behind that than simply we're not performing. There were there were politics involved. There's a an interesting owner involved. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Yeah. But but they do they they I still think that this team can be on an upward trajectory, but they they need some more maturation. They probably need a couple more pieces. Uh, Bob Bugner stepping in as the head coach. Uh, there's no way to know if he's the right guy for the job and, until we've seen him do it for a season or two, but I would maintain that Florida is in that sort of area where this is a very important hiring, especially with the way that you ran uh, Gerard Gallant out of town, and now he's obviously – it didn't take him long to get a head coaching job. He's in Vegas. But with the young players you have on this team – you can't just bring in Bugner and then think to yourself, ah, he's, he's not getting it, it done, and it's the all-star break. Let's, let's start over again. you got to kind of commit to a coach now for, what, at least probably two years, at least a year. Uh, and this is a major time in the development of a lot of these young players. So there's a lot of pressure on him, not just for the Panthers right now, but for the, 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 the future of this team, the foreseeable future. Do, do, are, 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 is it just going to be two of us? I, just, I, just I feel like we're interrupting Jamie. He's, yeah. Well, he's live tweeting the show, so you know, Sorry. just let him do his thing. Oh, I thought he was booking airline tickets. That might be true. Yeah, Jamie's on vacation you next guys. week, so he's oh, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> hi, Jamie. It's hi. good to see you. Hi. It's good to hear your snarky comments. <laughs> How does uh, Red Ian Verbata fit in? He, if if he's playing with the right people, and we kind of know this in Arizona, if he's playing with the right people, he's going to score goals. Just allow him to find those open seams and find somebody who can get him the puck. I'm not sure who he's going to be playing with. 
I think his center is probably going to be Trocek, Vincent Trocek. Redeem, when I spoke to him after the Coyotes opted to part ways with him, liked that idea. That was one of the one of the things he liked about Florida when he was talking to them is is the playmaking options that they had. He thought he could sync well with those guys. Now, granted, when you're 36 years old, it's not like every team in the NHL is calling you up, so you have limited options. But of the options he was considering, he liked this one the best because of the playmakers. And he, he's pretty routinely putting 20 goals in the net when he's not playing on Vancouver's third line. So with a center who can't win faceoffs. Yes. What do you what do you feel about Florida's center position? I mean, Alexander Barkov, Vincent Trocek, Nick Bukestad, and Derek McKenzie most likely up the middle. You know, there's I don't know that there's a, a future Hall of Famer there, but at the same time, Barkov is an intriguing young talent. Trocek has been really just steady. And Bukestad's not a bad number three. That's that's not terrible up the middle for a team that that missed the playoffs by so much last year. No, to me, it all rests on Barkov's ceiling. How much better does he get? He's he's a young young player till he's only 22 years old. So how much more of a step can he take up? Because the other pieces, the way you describe them, they slot well into those number two and number three center positions. They, yeah. they have the skill set that you want from those positions. So how much more can he excel at his position? And then, again, they still – it feels like they need some scores around these guys, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. Redeem Verbata is not going to be there very long – maybe only one season, they, they need some young guys on the wings who can fill it up a little bit. And that's eventually, they hope, going to be uh, Owen Tippett, yep. who they got from Mississauga in the draft, the 10th overall pick this this past June. And it was funny, too, if you look at the top, I want to say the top 21 picks in the draft, 19 of them were centers or defensemen. Owen Tippett was the first player taken that wasn't a center or a defenseman. And there are a lot of people that feel like he might be the best pure goal scorer in this draft. It was just... Typically, if you're picking in those top five or six spots, you, you need a center. Yeah, it's what you build your teams around those two positions. But if Florida really feels like they already have theirs, then you, if you got the best goal scorer in the draft with the 10th pick, that's not bad at all. So there's some talk that maybe because there's openings, he he's going to have a chance to make this team out of camp. And I haven't seen I – mean, camp hasn't happened yet, so I'm not going to rule it out. But I think more realistically we would see him probably a year from now. But still, that's a real nice – uh, piece to get where they got him real quick before we talk to uh, Sean Shapiro about the Dallas Stars Aaron Ekblad what 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 player is he I know he's had a lot of injuries and it's been unfortunate Head injuries too and those are scary he's yeah. got I think four of them but his production it's tailed off the last two seasons which is troubling you I mean I think when he when he broke into this league people just thought he was going to just keep skyrocketing he was going to be in the Norris Trophy conversation. So good that first year. It really was. Yeah. I mean, Luke and I talked to him at the NHL Awards, and we went, wow, this is the oldest 19-year-old on planet Earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in terms of how mature he handled himself, the yeah. way he talked, the game he played, but... The giant beard. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot like Luke, uh, he, he peaked at 18. Yeah. You know, it's all... This, you know, it happened. It happens to the best of us, I guess. That, that seems like that was kind of mean, too, but... I feel like Jamie just wanted to talk about Aaron Ekblad just to take a shot at me, but... It's uh, all a setup, all elaborate setup. Yeah. That's, that's the way Jamie works. But the uh, he was the first overall pick in 2014 and immediately stepped in. That was part of the reason why he was he seemed like such a mature 19-year-old is you don't typically see defensemen step in right after being drafted and make any sort of impact. And yet he was playing almost 22 minutes a game. He was playing in all situations. He was playing on the top pairing and was still playing well enough to win the Calder Trophy. So... I, I don't know what to make of him. He doesn't look nearly as dominant 
as he looked like he could be that first year, and, and you just you hope it's not because mm-hmm. of the concussions. Yeah, I'm sure they're scared to death about that. That's because mm-hmm. that's that's a franchise player right there that you build around, and if he if he's diminished now, that's a big problem for this franchise. One more thing, but you know we were talking about scores. We didn't even mention Evgeny Dadunov coming over from from the KHL and, and SKA St. Petersburg. He had 66 points last year in 53 games. Now the KHL is not the NHL, obviously, but another potential option for them to find scoring on the wings. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And, and I will say this, too, on Ekblad. If you look back at that draft, this was 2014, that was one of those drafts where there there wasn't a clear-cut number one. Now, he ultimately went number one. He's defenseman. The guys that went right after him, Sam Reinhart, Leon Dreisaitl, Sam Bennett, and Michael Dalcole. Where are you taking Ekblad if we're redrafting right now? Probably two? Probably still taking him number two, right? Just you, yeah, yeah. You're, with without one more year of hindsight, probably because we know what this we know what this game is. You know the pieces that you have to build around, and he, he you, sh- you sure hope. I mean, just beyond beyond. Uh, I'm, I'm not rooting for a team here, obviously, but you hope that the guy is healthy enough, and that's not impacting him. That we're not going to see a, a further decline because he he does look like a franchise defenseman. Yeah, he does. All right, we're going to continue our summer preview series right now with uh, Sean Shapiro of FanRag and NHL.com to talk about the Dallas Stars. Thank you, Coach. All right, we're joined now by Sean Shapiro of FanRag and NHL.com to talk about the Dallas Stars, a team that had a lot of success two seasons ago, uh, certainly trailed off last year, a very active offseason. Sean, I guess let's, let's start with last season can you put a finger on, on, on what went wrong, and, and is that the uh, sort of the last we'll see of that? Is this team back on the rise? Well, I mean, last season starts with the thing from the beginning was the injuries right away, and that's something that you can't ignore. Um, the first, first very first 15 minutes of training camp is when injury bugs started kind of hitting uh, Back then, Cody Eakin, who the Stars have since lost in the expansion draft to Vegas, he was hurt on the first day of training camp. They had uh, there was injuries to Alex Hemsky, who missed most, who ended up missing most of the year. There was injuries that caused uh, Jamie Ben didn't enter the season completely healthy. Tyler Sagan didn't enter the season completely healthy. So um, injuries were a big part of the kind of how everything got sidetracked from the beginning last year. Um, it wasn't certainly not the ideal way to start the season um but as things kind of continued last season one thing that i think at least in my opinion injuries are always an excuse for a certain amount of time then eventually you're either a good team or a bad team and the stars just weren't a good team last year um it's one of those things where the injuries made things worse and they kind of derailed things from the beginning but the, the defense was not good. They weren't very focused attention to detail. The goaltending took its share of lumps, and the goaltending wasn't wasn't top-notch, but the goaltending actually, I think, got let out to dry way more than people. It was a lot, it was easy, it's easy for people to rip on Anthony Emmy and Kari Lettinen from last season, but actually, I think, took more blame than they could have, than they should have with how bad defensively the Stars looked, and and then I also look at their special teams where the Stars had the, I think it was the worst penalty kill since 19, since the 1993-94 Ottawa Senators. So uh, it was just uh, it was just a bunch of defensive issues. Um, and on top of that, they were able to outscore their problems two years ago when they had problems. 
and they weren't, and their offense wasn't as good. It took a step back as well. Some guys got a little bit older. Some guys were a bit, bit dinged up. It was just kind of a combination of all those things, and that's how last season kind of derailed itself. All right. Well, we we mentioned the number of changes in the off season, but the biggest one, of course, enter Ken Hitchcock again, the the once and future king. How is he going to impact this franchise? It's going to be, I think. There's one of two ways you can impact this franchise, honestly. I think it's something where it could have a very positive effect. Hitchcock brings a very – he brings a disciplined style. He brings a system that has, pays attention to detail, and that's something the stars need, frankly. That's one of, the, one of their biggest issues from last season was some of the, the small attention to detail things would lead – would, would continue to snowball into other things. And, he brings a very detail-oriented system, and that, I think, can be a big key to this team, especially if he can find a way, as he said, to try and still keep some of that offensive firepower and, and keep it an exciting team to watch. Um, that, that's the positive. That's the way you kind, you kind of hope because that's the more fun result. The other thing that will just be interesting, the negative possibility, is Ken Hitchcock is not an easy coach to play for. It's something where – he demands a lot from his players. There is a there are high expectations there, and he can he can wear on guys. So it's one of those things where this could work really well, um, and the stars could become could be a much better team. Or if there's not total player buy-in and the players aren't buying into a system, you could see some you, you could see some frustrations with some of the players who aren't aren't liking how things are working. So I'm actually really interested to see how the first month to month and a half of the season work out because I think that really could tell us how good this team will be. Ideally, and, uh, ideally, Ken Hitchcock is going to make the Stars a better team, and I think ultimately that is going to be the case. Um, it's just one of those things where it does have to pass the test of can the players buy into his system and can they embrace what he's trying to bring in. Sean, with the uh, the moves that this team made in the offseason and the way they're, they're sort of set up now, is it fair to say the Stars are in win-now mode? Yes, they are. Um, it's they're they're in, they certainly are. It's it's a spot where throughout the off season, Jim Nill has made has made it very clear in his both his comments and his actions that last year was the that this past season where they were picking in the picking in the lottery. That was the uh, that was the exception to the norm. The norm is that they believe the norm is is what was two years ago, where they are a team heading into the playoffs that is a team that has a legit chance of playing into late June. Um, and they're in, they're in win-now mode, too, because they've got their they, – they have a good mix of young guys, but you have to look at their – the upper-aged part of their tier is kind of getting to that point where they have to be in win-now. You don't have a – you don't have a Jason Spezza in his, in his mid-30s waiting as part of a long-term project you don't even you don't sign martin hansel and ben bishop at 30 years old if it's a long-term project this is a we're looking to be a contender right away approach for dallas right now well you mentioned ben bishop and that was the other big change that the stars made this offseason are there any concerns about his play from last year between tampa and la or do they believe solidly believe that he is going to be the answer at least in the short term moving forward they believe he's going to be the answer. That's the uh, that's one of that's one of the reasons they were willing to make the make the commitment and make the commitment and sign him to a six year contract. Um, that was actually it's the stars actually I think for cap hit 
did a pretty good job with that because and but had to give up more term than they probably wanted to appear Ben Bishop. Um, they believe, and you can, you can make the case that he should have a bounce back here. Um, there is the one thing I think we often forget, and sometimes we don't. It's it's easy to think players are playing a vacuum and, it, and it's simply simply skills, but there's also things last year where with Bishop that we have to remember that these are also human beings too. And there's also I've talked to some people with the organization who take a look at Bishop's. Kind of down here last year with Tampa Bay and LA, it's it's one thing. To, it's not easy when you've gone through a norm and you've been a starter and and you are all of a sudden being kind of know you're going to be discarded for lack of a better word. Um, to all of a sudden now there's more stability, um, and they think that stability could be a really big thing for Bishop. Um, and they think he can kind of have a bit of a have that bounce back here, and they and also there's they think the defense is going to be much better in front of them than the defense they had in front of uh, both uh, Lettinen and Niemi last year, which can, can't be understated because that's going to be a big thing. There's only Ben Bishop can, can make, can make this team better, but he can only make this team um, as good as the defense will allow him to make it in, in the long run. I want to get to the defense in a minute, but a, a couple other additions. Uh, you mentioned Martin Hansel earlier. We'll ask you about him in a moment. But Alex Radulov, obviously a big-time player to add, it sounds like, to that top line. how If, if he is going to be playing with Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn, how will he complement those two players? I think it'd be very, it's, it's an exciting line. It would be a very exciting line to watch with Ben uh, Sagan and Radulov. It's a group that... It's one of those when whenever the puck's on any of their sticks, you're gonna, you're not going to want to turn right turn away because exciting things could happen. Um, the thing I like about it, and I think one thing that's why it could work so well, um, well, it could work so well, and part of this goes back to there's a commitment coming in from Kent Hitchcock that he wants to he wants to turn Tyler Sagan into a true number one center, and by that I mean. Um, Tyler Sagan has put up the numbers before, and, and, and if you were just looking, if you were just to look at his play off the back of his trading card, you'd be you'd say, well, what, what do you mean? He's already done everything, and he did that. But by true number one center, you mean Tyler Sagan is a guy who you can actually trust to play, play in this late defensive zone situation, to play on the penalty, go from time to time, things to basically, and and one and it's something that Ken Hitchcock did with Mike Madano back in. We talk about kind of bringing everything back together. He helped turn Mike Madonna in from a goal scorer into a, a winner, and obviously that's when the Stars uh, won the Stanley Cup in '99. I think the addition of Radulov, who has, from everyone I've talked to with Montreal and talked to other people, he's a player who, while you get excited about his offensive game and things like that, the overall effort he brings to the game is kind of the thing that stands out most to me. He's a guy where there's a lot of players who are skilled offensive players who aren't. Putting everything, put it, aren't putting up full effort in all three zones, and I really like how Radulov's game and his energy he brings in, and I think that could allow them to kind of have that first line that is, a, it's uber talented, super exciting to watch, but you can actually trust it to be on uh, on the ice in any situation, not worry about the deficiencies. Because, um, for example, in, in the past before we've seen the Stars would load up with uh, with they would put Ben. Sagan and Jason Spez on a line, and it was exciting line to watch at home at home games because the Stars are the last change that they get on, but they'd get put on the ice against uh, the other team's best line on the road, and they'd get they'd get stuck and they'd get they were very bad defensively. And I think you're going to avoid some of that. Plus, you're adding a player who was just 
you, you don't want to turn away when you got the fuck out of six. Sean, the, the hockey fans here where we are recording this podcast are very familiar with Martin Hansel. Why do the, uh, the stars believe he's a good fit for what they're trying to do? That's, see, that's an interesting question because it's one of those where when they signed Martin Hansel, that was a bit of a head-scratcher as to why. Because not because I think Martin Hansel is a very good, I think Martin Hansel is a very good addition to this team, but it's one of those where you looked at the stars already had I mean, before they signed Martin Hansel, had seven or eight players that were natural centers, and it was one of those things where why why did they need to load up on there? But after you get over the initial question of why they did it, and obviously they'll have to figure out how to make that work, bringing in Martin Hansel helps address one of the Stars' biggest issues from last season, and that's the penalty kill. The penalty kill was 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 awful. It was 70, 74.3%, 70. I might be off by a couple of points there, 74.3, 74.6, but basically every fourth penalty the Stars are allowing goal. And Martin Hansel brings a much better penalty-killing presence. He he helps them become a, situa- become a team that you don't have that you can send out a first penalty-killing unit that you actually trust to, to, get, to get the job done. And the Stars didn't really have much of that last season. And Hansel also brings uh, – what he brings to the face-off circle is also key too because – um, not as much in the offensive zone, but just the defensive zone. There was times where the Stars last year they would get, they would lose a draw defensively, and they would just get stuck, and then they would just and they would just never get out. And with a guy like Hansel, who I expect to be taking a lot of defensive zone draws, they're going to be in a position where they're going to be able to start. They're going to be able to start with possession more often, and I, I think, and I also think he's a guy who fits really well under the type of player that Ken Hitchcock would want as well. And, after the initial, uh, after the initial of why are they loading up on centers like this, you kind of look at it and, and, it, and it fits really well. Staying on that topic, however, you, you mentioned the overload at, at, at the center position. Um, I've re- read reports recently that Jason Spezza is going to be in a, sort of a dual role, playing center sometimes, playing wing. First of all, are you hearing the same thing? And how comfortable is Jason Spezza if that is the case? Yeah, that's something I've heard. It, it's actually interesting because it was these, these were comments from Ken Hitchcock a couple of days ago. He said he looks at Jason Spezza in the kind of a dual left wing slash center role, uh, and that was kind of surprising for me to hear actually because in my mind, I actually had assumed we were going to see Jason Spezza end up on the wing completely, um, just because you looked at the raw. Spezza played some wing last year. He actually probably played about a third of the games at wing last year, but on the right wing. And um, it was just a role that he didn't really seem super comfortable in, but I thought it was a role he'd have to accept either way with Hansel coming in. And the Stars, you look at their center depth, they're committing to Tyler Sagan as their top center, as they should. Martin Hansel comes in as a very good second center, and they've got this young young former first-round pick, Roddick Fox, uh, who's continued to make major strides in his game. And I thought he was going to be that, he was going to be that uh, third line center and kind of have a chance to have his own line, but again, Hitchcock kind of debunking what what, we, what a lot of us thought originally said maybe he he, he sees he doesn't see Handel and Spezza playing together um, that often, which means Spezza may be technically centering a third line or Fox and Handel could be on the line. So it's, there's a lot of it's kind of trying to get into the brain here of how it's actually going to work. But to get back to Spezza, I think. It's, it, I think it's a role that will work very well for him if the Stars are, are winning early on. He's a guy, he's a leader on this team. He's one of the guys with the letters on his jersey. 
And if stars are winning early on, he's going to have bought in and it's going to be a good fit. Um, if he's a third line player as a center or he's out of position and the stars aren't doing well, it starts, you start to wonder, this is a guy who has a lot of influence with some of the younger players of the team. How is it going to work? As of right now, everything I've, last time I've, Jason Spezza has said the right things and he's on board with it, but we'll see when it plays out. Basically, it goes back to kind of our earlier point about Hitchcock from one of the first questions is first month is going to be a really telling of how well that will actually fit. Uh, let's move to the blue line for a quick second here. We yeah. talked to Ken Warren a couple of podcasts ago when we were talking about the Ottawa Senators, and he said the biggest question mark they had was how do they replace Mark Mathot? Where does he slot in for the Stars? Does he play alongside Klingberg, Honka? What do they believe he adds to the team? Well, he, he for the first part, he really helps with that penalty kill, which we talked about Martin Hansel. We want to touch on Martin Hansel a question ago. Just He comes in and he helps a ton on that penalty kill for one, but he adds a guy. He, I imagine he's going to play a lot with John Klingberg. It's not set in stone, and, and, and nothing like that is set in stone yet, but he can play with Klingberg, and John Klingberg is not no, – no other defenseman in the NHL is Eric Carlson. We know – we, we can all agree upon that. Eric Carlson's the best defenseman in the NHL. But Mark Mathot has the history of being able to – Mark Mathot from – my viewpoint, it might be flawed, but is he really helped Eric Carlson take the steps from very from great to an even higher level of great? He's a guy who he plays a stable game. He allows a guy to make mistakes. He's a guy who who you can you can trust him. You can trust him to let to be kind of an anchor to another guy who's doing more of a uh, more of, more of a freelance style on defense there with the puck. And he also can move his feet too. I think that's the other thing people forget about him. They think stay-at-home defenseman. Mark Mathot can actually skate pretty well. He's a, he's, a, he's a strong skater. He can he can keep up with his partner, and, and that's a big thing. And I think he him coming in and him playing with John Klingberg could really help John Klingberg become a very, very good NHL defenseman. John Klingberg right now is a very good offensive defenseman, but working with Mark Mathot, he could become a very good overall defenseman, and that's one of the more exciting things. And and that's it might it might not be Klingberg. He could have the same impact on Julius Honka, depending on how how they make things up. But having that presence of a guy who can help the younger guys who are about to take the next step in their career, I think that's huge for this team. How are we uh, feeling about the blue line just in general now? I mean, we're talking about guys like Klingberg and Mathot and, and now even Honka, but some of these other younger players like Asa Lindell and Jamie Alexiak. I mean, what's what's the confidence level in that defense core? Well, I. Personally, I think there's the defense can be very, the, a lot of the defenses work. The young group that can take a big step forward here with a new coaching staff. Um, not only we've talked about Ken Hitchcock, but he's brought back his uh, Rick Wilson, who was in a law, who was an assistant in Dallas in the late '90s and was a, has worked with Hitchcock at other stops in his career as well. And Rick Wilson does a great job with young defensemen and helping preach those attention to details. And I think that's going to have a big portion on whichever uh whichever group and the other thing that gives me the most confidence kind of about this this stars defense core and they've got the young guys but one thing they had and one thing they had under lindy ross last season the last couple seasons they were carrying eight defensemen um they were carrying eight defensemen and there was it was musical chairs on the bottom it was musical chairs in the bottom four pairing there there would be there would be the Patrick Nemeth, the Jamie Alexiak, the Stephen Johns of the world, they would make a mistake 
they would make a mistake and then they would sit for two weeks. Steven Johns, there was two instances last season where Steven Johns had a very good game, but he threw the puck over the glass late in the game for delay of game penalty, and he got benched for five games. They all of a sudden, it, the, the psyche of the young defenseman last season was so fragile where you had players that were at a point where they were playing not to make mistakes as opposed to playing hockey. It was, it was, and that's not going to be the case this year because you have two guys come in and you're Rick Wilson who's going to be run your defenseman and Ken Hitchcock who they're going to have six guys that on opening night. The guys who are going to be the guys, the six defensemen on opening night, those are going to be the six they're going to stick with and they're going to roll with the season. And so those guys, those young guys who do make, who do win the job in training camp, because it's going to be quite a battle in training camp, they're going to have the confidence to play their game. They're going to know they won the job, and there's going to be so much more consistency there. I think that that gives me so much more confidence in this defense. And on top of that, personally, just having watched him closely play in the AHL the past couple of years and, 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 and seeing what he can do, I think the I think Julia Tonka is a guy who is going to – it may take him 10, 15 games just to be at the level I, I think he can reach in my mind this season, but he's a guy who could be – a rookie defenseman this year that everyone is going to be around the league is going to be taking notice of within by, by the midpoint of the season. On that note, uh, with all the offseason moves they made, are there any other prospects who could make an impact this season on this roster? It's difficult because of the amount of moves they made. Um, they have, I mean, you even have, not only did they, they brought in Tyler Pitlick, who is a who is going to be a part of this NHL roster. He's not a pro- who, and they have Tyler Pitlick. They signed Brian Flynn. They signed a lot of guys who are older depth players. And on top of that, there's even the there's even the fleeting possibility that R.J. Umberger, who is on a PTO, who has a PTO for training camp, there's even the fleeting possibility he could make the team if 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 he uh, if he can if he can prove his job. So there's not much of a window for those prospects just because of the amount of because of the moves they made in the offseason. However. Uh, two guys I would keep an eye on just because they might force they might force their way in. Our uh, one is, is uh, Denny Gurionov, uh, one of the uh, stars, Russian kid who played. We saw uh, many people may have seen him play last year at World Junior. He played in the AHL last year as a 19-year-old, and he got his NHL. Uh, he got a cup of coffee in the last game of the season this past year, and he's a kid who could be who could be in that first call up. Could case of an injury could win a spot and could be part of this could be part of this roster i don't know if he'll be on the team on opening night but he he could have a chance to make an impact before the end of the season and then there's also a guy uh, a prospect by the name of uh, rope hints who is a uh, who's coming over playing he's just going to be his first year in north america um but good playmaking center who can also play on the wing and uh he Real high-end skill. Him and Garyano probably have the highest skill of it, of all the forward prospects in the star system. And if he comes over, we saw he could come over and he could have an impact like uh, a Matthias Janmark did two years ago, where the Stars had a guy who was expected to not even be close to the NHL roster, forced the issue, won a job in training camp, and was there. He he's kind of my dark horse as a guy who could do that would come out of nowhere as a a prospect that could be part of this NHL team. Sean, we don't often see teams in the NHL go from missing the playoffs to contending for the Stanley Cup, but this seems like sort of a unique situation. Are the Stars, in your mind, legitimate cup contenders this year? 
I think I think so because they can get in. I, that, and that's and I think it's I, I, with my view of how the Stanley Cup playoffs look right now, just with how things have shown. Obviously, we saw Nashville become go from a wild card team to the to, to the final. We saw in L.A. a couple of years ago win win the cup as the as the eighth seed. And the fact I, I am pretty confident Dallas will be back in the playoffs, and I think you have to consider them a cup contender because they have that mix of things you'd be looking for in a playoff series. Now they've got. They've got they've got much better coaching. They've got they've got goaltending that they've got much better goaltending, and they're going to be and they're going to be a better team on special teams. And I think when you add all that together, do I think they're going to win the division? I don't think they're going to win the division. I mean, in my head, I still I think maybe St. Louis is going to win the division, but I think they're a team that could get in, get in, and they definitely have they're definitely being that group of teams you have to watch for that could be playing into late June. Sean Shapiro, you can find him on Twitter, at Sean Shapiro, S-E-A. And, Sean, thanks for the time. We appreciate the insight and enjoy the upcoming season, all right? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. I'll tell you what, that is one of the most intriguing teams in the NHL for the simple fact that it wouldn't shock me if they if they were in the Western Conference Final this year, but they did just miss the playoffs entirely last year. And, and you never know you know hockey's one of those sports where just because you added Alex Radulov and Martin Hansel and Ben Bishop and you added these pieces that look like they should all fit together pretty well on paper you don't actually know until you're playing the games on the ice yeah I mean it's one of those things where they always talk about just because you you quote-unquote win free agency doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be the best team or you're going to make a massive improvement but I am interested to see how they put all these puzzle pieces together. Not the least of which is Ken Hitchcock, right? Absolutely, yeah. With a coach that, well, old coach is, who's the new coach again, and how long, again, he, Sean talked a little bit about the Jim Harbaugh effect that Ken Hitchcock has on his players, and you do wonder, okay, will they buy in? Will the, would the veterans buy in as well as the young guys? You know, what happens if they start to struggle again? What happens if Ben Bishop is more like the Ben Bishop he was last year than he was two or three years ago? You know, can Martin Hansel start to excel when he's a true number two center with a true number one there, or will some of his past injury problems come back and plague him again? How does Radulov do? I mean, there, there are a lot of, there's a lot of upside to this team, but there's also a lot of question marks. So I, I could see them having maybe one of the widest ranges of possible outcomes this year of any team in the NHL. I, and when I look at their, when we're, we're talking about cup windows, and maybe I'm just imposing something that's a little too superficial here, but when you look at their contract situations and the ages of their players, it feels like they need to get this done in the next two years. Uh, Jason Spezza will be 36 in two years, and his contract runs out. Tyler Sagan's contract runs out in two years, so they're going to have to sign him to a bigger deal. Jamie Benn will be 30 years old in two more years. There are a lot of factors. You look at Ben Bishop's age. There are a lot of factors when you look down this roster, uh, and Mark Mathot will be 34. It make you think they better get it done in the next couple seasons. Otherwise, you know, they pushed all their chips into the middle of the table, and it didn't happen for them. Especially... The, the point that Tyler Sagan's contract is up in two years. He'll be an unrestricted free agent. I'm sure they're going to want to bring him back, but he's going to cost a lot of money at that point. And so you limit your resources in terms of being able to add a replacement for Jason Spezza. I mean, like, Jamie Benn will be 30. That's fine. He'll still be a good player. He's making $9.5 million a year till the end of time. Yeah, and that's a concern, too, when you're talking about your cap situation. Yeah. And, and Radulov, as much as I love the idea of a Radulov-Ben-Sagan line... 
he is making over $6 million now for the next five seasons, and he's really only ever had one NHL season. Amen to that. I, I don't know how this is going to work. Now, he's, he's in a good situation here. You want to play with that kind of talent. So if he's going to land somewhere, that's great. But he, he's not a young player either, by the way. And as you said, he he's, has a checkered history. There's no guarantee that this works out, and if it doesn't, oh boy. Yeah. But, I, I again, I'm trying to look at who the – Eastern Conference equivalent would be to the Stars, and I think it's Tampa, but because that's another team that missed the playoffs that could feasibly go to the Stanley Cup. But for the yeah. most part, Tampa Bay's they're roster. Young. Well, and they're younger. They're younger, and they're generally people that they're players that the Tampa drafted, or they traded for Sergeyev or whatever. But they're, I just I get a little nervous when I look at Dallas because they have all these pieces that you think, hey, this team could go to the Cup, but they're all a lot of them are free agents that they just sort of added, so you never know how you just never know. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting comparison, actually, with Tampa. I mean, there's no Victor Edmond on this blue line. No. And that's, no. that's a big piece missing. And, and again, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what Dallas's defense looks like. You have to believe with Hitchcock, because there's, there's going to be structure overlaid and demanded from this roster, that they'll be better. Will it be at the expense of some of the offense? They probably still have enough offensive talent where they're going to be able to get by. But again... It's a lot of pieces to put together in a very short period of time. Maybe maybe if it, it doesn't even happen for Dallas this season. Maybe it takes a full year to absorb all this, and we're talking about it next year. Yeah, but what is that window? It's about two years, I, right? That's, that's kind of, when I look at their situation, I feel like it is two years. And it's a good time for it, because I still think that the Edmontons of the world are a few years away from truly being a cup contender. You know, we talked about it a couple podcasts ago. I picked the, the Anaheim Ducks as my, would be my early pick to come out of the West. But there's really no dominant team. Yeah, you, the, the previously dominant teams are sliding, right, yeah. like the Blackhawks. So there's really no dominant team. There's really no reason why, if something clicks right away, that they can't be in the Stanley Cup in the next one to two years. But there's a lot of, there are a lot of boxes they have to check between now and then before I feel confident saying that they're going to be anything more than just a playoff contender. Well, and, and Sean brought it up, too. I mean, Nashville gets into the playoffs last year, and Nashville a year ago was a team that, we were all picking to win the division, maybe. They had all these these pieces that, that should come together pretty well, and they didn't do it really for the first half of the season, and then they got within two games of winning the Stanley Cup. So it's there is a path in the Western Conference. Two years ago, there wasn't a path. And, and unfortunately for Dallas, they were pretty good two years ago, but that path just wasn't there. But we can break this down a thousand different ways. It comes down to Ben Bishop and Nett. I, I understand that you can't pin all of their problems last year on that tandem of Kerry Lettinen and Antiniemi. Is it even a... Can you call it a tandem if it's not working? I feel like a tandem is like that's supposed to have like positive connotations. But you you can't you can't blame it all on the goaltending last year, but that was their most obvious glaring weakness. So Ben Bishop should come in and, and fix that, but we don't know. No, they, and they have to. There has to be a greater commitment to to playing well defensively. That comes from the forwards as well as the defensemen. And Hitchcock should bring that. But yeah, Ben Bishop's another. Giant question mark is is last season uh, the direction of his career? I don't know. Over under fifty eight and a half games played by Martin Hansel. That's too low. Sixty two and a half games played by Martin Hansel this season. I think, it, I think it's an average of seventeen a year that he misses. I, I think I did this a while back. Okay, so you're taking so, the over and Jamie's taking the under. Well, he has his contract in hand and he's a little older, so. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, again, you're just looking at trends. We obviously don't wish ill upon no, no, no. anybody, but it's something... But you have to know when you're signing him. You have to know you're signing him. You you have to budget for 15 or so games that he's not going to play for you. And part of that's the style he plays, too. He plays a... Yeah, he gets, yeah he's physical. He gets beat on. 
He yeah. gets beat on. He's a big physical player. I mean, he Jason has Spence had back has had issues. That. Now everybody yeah. can say, "Oh, those those aren't an issue anymore." Once your back is weakened, yeah. uh, back I, I think it's always an issue. Back is just don't just poof go away one day. Right. No, I mean, he's six foot six. I mean, he's a big guy, and, and to your point, Craig, he will he will do the things Dallas needs done in front of the net. And the fact that he can just step in there and be a clear number two on a team with a dominant number one is a position he's never been in before. So True. let's let's see what he can do. If Look, I tell you what, if they get 80 games out of Martin Hansel, they're going to be in a real good spot because in a lot of ways he is he, he is what they need, really. You remember there were nights when he was on the ice for the Coyotes where he was the best player on the ice. Yeah. There were nights where he was simply dominant. Yeah, and he's, he's so so different of a player than mm-hmm. the other guys that they have that he, in theory, and I understand why you would go out and sign him in that, that regard, in theory he comes in and fills a hole just like Ben Bishop did too. So I, I think Dallas did everything they could do in the offseason. Yeah, no, I, I, I liked for the most part what they did, but they did stick their neck out there. They did take some chances and hoping that's going to pay off. And if it does, they will be a cup contender in this brief window. If it doesn't, they have really hamstrung their franchise for the next five-plus years. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for us. This is the moment when I ask Craig if he knows who's coming on the uh, podcast next week, and then he scrambles frantically to look for his emails. Because you never prepared me for this. Well, this I, you know, I, just, I feel like I the feel last... Like... The last six episodes well, we've done While Craig's this. looking it up, I will remind everybody again, please subscribe so Craig can feed his children. <laughs> so he can get an email that pulls up faster so we don't have to fill time while he looks up who's coming up next. We're running out of teams, aren't we? I, I know we have Mike Zeisberger of the Toronto Sun coming on to talk about the Maple Leafs. Oh, that'll be fun. We're hoping to get someone on to talk about the Edmonton Oilers, TBD. Oh, Oilers I'm, and Maple Leafs in the same yeah, I'm glad I figured, let's stick them together. Why not? I'm glad somebody's finally talking about the Maple Leafs yeah. because I feel like that team does not get enough coverage. You yeah. want to talk about overlooked teams that just don't get enough attention at all. <laughs> Definitely the Toronto Maple Leafs. We, we, can we just get Austin Matthews to talk about the Maple Leafs? He's still wandering around here. All right, that's going to do it for us. For Jamie Eisner, for Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.